It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 133 of Brewers on Tap. It's getting real. It is September. We are turning the corner to the second part of September very soon, and the Brewers are right in the thick of the NL Central. Two games back with a game on Wednesday night, the final game between the Brewers and Cubs. Two games separate them. And just a handful of weeks left in the season. This is exciting. This is what it's all about. Brewers have a pretty firm grasp right now on a playoff spot. They are four and a half up on the Los Angeles Dodgers for that second wild card. They currently have a one and a half game lead over the Cardinals for the first wild card, which would be home field advantage in the wild card. The Brewers are worrying about trying to win the division. And if they can win the division, they're most likely going to be the number one seed for the National League in the playoffs. So that's what their attention's on. Huge, huge game coming up on Wednesday night to finish up the season series with Chicago. It is exciting stuff. Everybody's fired up, and this is what baseball's all about. This is what you're hoping for when the season begins. So it should be a lot of fun. Lorenzo Cain's been outstanding. Christian Yelich continuing his MVP race derby campaign, if you will. And Ryan Braun continuing to do some good things at the plate also, Jonathan Scope, big moment earlier this week when he hit the grand slam after Braun was hit by the pitch by Madison Bumgarner. All these exciting moments. We're going to have some of those coming up for you in just a few moments when we play the highlights of the past week that has been, as the crew has absolutely been on a roll here recently. Also, some good news down on the farm. The Southern League Championship Series began on Tuesday night. The Biloxi Shuckers, the Brewers' AA affiliate, winning the Southern League South Division playoffs now in the Southern League Championship and they're up one game to none we're going to play some of those highlights and tell you about that coming up as well so that's exciting plus we're going to talk to Curtis Granderson one of the newest brewers and lefty Wade Miley he was with us at the end of July he's always fun he's always exciting he's going to join us as well we'll talk about his big start on Monday night when the Brewers took game one of this three-game series against the Cubs Wade Miley doing some really good things. It is September, so rosters have expanded, and there are 36 Brewers currently traveling with the team right now. So there's a bunch of guys, and it has made the games different. And Craig Council has been able to take advantage of that with some good managing and some good moves that he's made late in games with all these bats and all these different arms in the bullpen. Corey Knable, by the way, that's something to keep an eye on. He has faced 15 batters since he got recalled. He's retired all 15. He is back to being Corey Knable. It really changes the back of that bullpen for the Brewers. So that's something to keep an eye on, too. Plus, we're going to look at Sabermetrics 101, so stay with us for that 
as well. All right, let's jump into this thing and listen to the highlights of the past week. Holland deals again, and Braun sends one in the left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Ryan Braun. And the Brewers have the lead. Brewers have the lead. Chris Shaw, bouncer, hit to the hole. Backhand, Arcia, the throw, got him, and this one is over. Here it is. Shaw sends this one in the air to Sutter. And deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Travis Shaw. And the Brewers have the lead. Here's the 1-0 delivery, and that one is hit to Sutter and deep. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. It is gone for Yelich. And the Brewers lead 4-0. He went out of here in center field. 3-2 pitch coming. Here it is. Swinging and a pop-up. This one is playable. Down the left field line. And why not? Christian Yelich for the catch to end this game. Wow. Down to the wire tonight. Brewers hang on and win the pitch. Braun sends it to left center deep. Get up. It is off the wall and going to be an extra base hit. In the second base he goes with a run scoring double on an absolute rocket. That one hit the wall in left center in a hurry. Now the pitch. Scope sends it in the air to left deep. Get out of here and he's gone. Jonathan Scope just hit one out of here with the bases loaded. To put the crew on top. What a rocket hit the facing of the second deck out there. And the Brewers have the lead. He just got scoped. Here comes Canable. Swing and a liner to center, and Kane is there, and this one is over. Hunter Pence hanging in there on that one, lined out, and the Giants are heading home to San Francisco. They have now lost eight in a row as the Brewers sweep the series. 1-0 to Arcia. Line drive, base hit, left field. Brewers take the lead, it's 2-1. Moustakis scores easily, and Arcia picks up run batted in number 24 on the season. One ball, two strikes. The set and the pitch. Struck him out swinging. Hader strikes out the side in the, the seven. two pitch. Struck him out looking. What an inning for Josh Hader. Strikes out the side for a second consecutive frame. Here's the stretch and the pitch. Struck him out swinging. Kratz applies the tag. Lestella's gone. And the Brewers take game one of the three-game series. It's been an exciting week for the Brewers, and we chat now with Curtis Granderson. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, In 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every, every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was... Uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in 
uh, trying to do too much. Now for the Clubhouse Conversation. One of the newest brewers, and it didn't take you long to get settled into this clubhouse. Uh, you've been around, you know a lot of these guys, and it seemed like it was an easy transition for you. Yeah, it's been cool. This is a great organization from top to bottom. A lot of guys I've played against. Only one I've played with, that was Ryan Braun back in the World Baseball Classic in 09. So even though I didn't get a chance to know everybody on a, a much longer basis, the fact that I've played against so many of these different guys I think has definitely helped. What is it going to be like for you to play against the Cubs uh, with your familiarity with, with the city and everything else, uh, with these stakes in September. It's not like you haven't played in a lot of big series before in the past, but what's it going to be like for you specifically in this series? Uh, just as much fun as any other time I get a chance to come here to play against, against any one of the two Chicago teams. The fact that it happens to be the Cubs doesn't make it any different. i got a lot of friends that are Cubs fans. i got a lot of friends that are White Sox fans. And myself, I was a Braves fan, so it doesn't matter to me either way. But I always look forward to it. And now the fact that we have an opportunity to do some things where you get a chance to go head-to-head against the team you're chasing makes it that much more fun. You've been able to really give good quality at bats, whether it's been off the bench or in a starting role, and it seems like you just embraced your role from the start when you came over. Um, is, there, is there a gift to that? That's not always easy for everybody to come over. No, they're not going to be in the lineup maybe every day, but to accept that and still be able to produce like you've been able to do. I think I was fortunate enough to have the situation be very similar to what it was when I was with the Toronto Blue Jays, and when I signed with them this offseason, getting ready to start the season. Steve Pierce and myself were going to be the guys that were going to go back and forth, whether it was a righty starter or a lefty starter. And just because I didn't start a game, whenever the opportunity presented itself, if a righty started coming up in the bullpen, then I had to go ahead and get myself ready to roll. So the fact that I had been doing that for almost about four or five months before this trade ended up happening, I think it's kind of helped in that situation. So whether I'm starting or not starting, like for example, today I'm not going to be starting. Tomorrow if they go with Quintana again, I'm probably not going to be starting. But with it being in the National League, and the roster's being expanded, there's a good chance I could get into the game. So now mentally I know that, and I'll continue to prepare, just like I've been doing all season long. So I haven't had to change too much about my game as I've transitioned from the Blue Jays over here to the Brewers. Has it been kind of funny to you, and have you guys talked about the fact that you've got Lorenzo Cain and Mike Moustakis and yourself, guys that were a part of the 15 World Series playing against each other now on the same side, trying to fight to get your way back there? You know what, the three of us have actually talked about the World Series, but not even in regards to this, just trying to think back to how the World Series went, you know, the good sides for both the the Mets and also for the Royals, obviously they ended up winning everything, but we just were communicating. I think it was one of those things where you catch up and try to ask, okay, how was it when you guys won it and how was the city and everything like that. Then we started talking about different things in game one and game two and how everything unfolded. So I think it was just a matter of conversation, but nothing that either one of the three of us have mentioned, hey, these are the things that we've had to do in order to get to that point. I think we, we all have an understanding that we gotta take it day by day win as many series as possible, hopefully get into the playoffs. And then after that, everybody's zero and zero, and everybody has just as much chance as anybody else. You've been around, and you've seen a lot of great baseball. You've seen a lot of different clubhouses. What was the first thing that stood out to you about this group of guys? Very loose, relaxed, but also confident. I think they've also embraced a role that just because you're not talking about us doesn't mean that we're not good. And I think that's always a good role to have, especially when there's 30 teams and not everyone gets a chance to be seen on a national stand or even an international stand. There's obviously some teams that have been around a lot longer than others that have a large fan base, that have had a very historic fan base, but it doesn't make a team better because of those different things. And I think this team and organization knows that. The Brewers have a young prospect named Corey Ray who had a tremendous year in double-A this year. He was the Southern League MVP and he's one of the 
Brewers' top prospects, and that's somebody that you've been kind of a mentor to. What's your relationship been like with him, and how proud of him are you with the season he put together? It's crazy how a lot of this stuff has unfolded. I think when he got drafted, I was playing against the Brewers uh, on that day or the day after some. So we talked about a little bit then, and getting a chance to do some things in the off season together after that, and just continue to talk over the course of the season like we do just in general. You know, ups and downs over the course of the season. You know, you want to get to a situation like he had overall but you realize that in order to get to player of the year there was some highs and there was some lows somewhere in that mix and we just chatted about a couple of things tried to keep him even keel and we look forward to getting a chance to see each other again in the offseason I heard he might come up to Milwaukee to accept an award so if he does we'll obviously see each other then and then we'll look to just continue to chat and hopefully help his future continue to get bigger and bigger. Curtis we appreciate it thanks so much. No problem thank you. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Okay, this week on Sabermetrics 101, it's pretty simple and straightforward. We're going to talk about Christian Yelich. We do it every week, but this is basically the Christian Yelich MVP campaign. Here's another number on Christian Yelich that stands out to why he's had such a big year. When you talk about home run to fly ball ratio, we've talked about that before on Sabermetrics 101. It's another statistic that sometimes people take a look at. It gives you an idea of a guy's power when he hits the ball in the air. Christian Yelich currently leads Major League Baseball with a 32.9% home run to fly ball ratio. Meaning that when he hits the ball in the air to the outfield, essentially, 33% of the time, he's going to hit a home run. That's incredible. It's, it's in front of J.D. Martinez. It's in front of Aaron Judge. It's in front of Joey Gallo. It's in front of Eugenio Suarez. It, it, it Giancarlo Stanton. That's, that's an amazing number when you think about that with what Christian Yelich is doing. Christian Yelich hits the ball on the ground a lot. Hits a lot of ground balls, hits a lot of line drives, but when he hits a fly ball, 33% of the time, Christian Yelich is going deep. That is staggering. That is incredible. And that is another example of why Christian Yelich is squarely in the middle of the MVP conversation. All right, this week as we catch up with the crew, we catch up with left-hander, and one of the more entertaining guys in the Brewers Clubhouse, Wade Miley. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another three-run shot out of here. Time to catch up with the crew. Wade, uh, another good, strong outing out of you. Might not have been your best command that you've had so far this year, but kind of becoming a, a trend with you. You battle regardless, and you really competed and got through five innings last night. Yeah, I know last night was going to be a game where, I mean, it's opened in the last three games of a set, and just really want to go out and just try to give us a chance, just try to keep us in the game, and uh, defense made some outstanding plays to keep us where we were at, and uh, I was fortunate to pull it off. A little bit of trouble in the uh, fifth inning, and you're able to get out of that inning with just the one run allowed, and a big play made by Jonathan Scope to end the inning. Guy that's been a former teammate of yours in the Orioles organization as well. You've probably seen him make plays like that before. What what did you say to him after that? I just told him, "Thank you, buddy. You got you picked me up. You had me there." And uh, like he always says, he said, "I got you. I got you." So I mean, it was, it was obviously a huge play for us. Even the double play him and Moose turned earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty incredible how how good they are, and really how good Jonathan Scope is at like getting the ball to first base in a double play situation. But um. I think he's been a great pickup. You know, he struggled a little bit early, but he's picking it up a lot late. Got some big hits, and uh, I mean, defense. He, his defense is always there. What do you see 
with this clubhouse right now. I mean, we talk about that a lot. It's a very unique clubhouse. It's a very tight-knit clubhouse. I think everybody understands that part of it. But right now, this team's really rolling, and it just seems like the confidence and the buy-in. Some guys aren't getting in the lineup every single day like they would want to, but they understand what's going on, and they're happy with the results because the wins are coming. Have you ever seen anything like this? Um, we got a lot of good players on this team. There's a lot of good players. Somebody's got to sit the bench every night. And, and like you just said, I mean, the guys understand that, I mean, they might not be in there that moment. They might not be starting the game. At some point in that game, the way Counts uses the bullpen, the way the way we play, you're going to have an opportunity to do something special night in, night out. And um, I think that's why they stay engaged, stay locked in. And there's really a hungry group of guys in there. And um, it's fun to be a part of. There's been a ton of talk over the course of the last couple of months about your cutter and how big of a difference it's made for you. H- how has the feel for that pitch evolved over the course of this year? I think it's it's gotten better just because I've thrown it more. So it's repetition, I guess, in a sense. The more I've thrown it, it's, I feel like I command a little better. It wasn't there really for me last night. It's kind of all over the place, but I uh, was able to battle through it with the help of the defense, and we scored enough runs. But uh, it's just been a pitch that's... I guess boosted my confidence in throwing it over the plate again. I think the last couple of years, it, it wasn't that I couldn't throw strikes. It's just I didn't I didn't have confidence in what I was throwing over the plate. It was going to be good enough to get an out. And, and I think the cutters kind of boosted my confidence in being able to just get ahead and, and stay ahead and stay in the zone. As a starting pitcher, you always want to work as deep as you can into the game. And, and there are games where you need to do that. The Cincinnati game on the last road trip is a great example of that, where the bullpen was spent. And it was a big day for you to go deep, and you did go deep in that contest. It's September now. There's more arms in the bullpen. And all these games are going to be tight, and playoffs are on the line. Is it nice to know that you have guys like Josh Hader and Jeremy Jeffers back there where if if you only go five innings or even four and a third and work into the fifth inning, that's okay. Is that? I don't know that you take that mindset into the start, but is it nice to have that kind of safety net back there? I mean, absolutely. I think right now, especially in September, especially where we're at, as a starting pitcher in the way the game has borderline evolved into a bullpen game, it. I mean, they just, just try to get as many outs as you can before the situation where Counts feels comfortable going to the bullpen and they can, they can clear the rest of the game, whether that be three innings, five innings, set, whatever that is, it's not such a, I got to go seven tonight, I got to go eight tonight. It's just to go out there and just get as many outs as possible until we're comfortable to hand it. And we're, we're fortunate to, to have a bullpen. You're not course on the ball really, really well right now. burnsy has been great for us. And obviously Hayter and J.J. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty nasty mix down there we got coming. You have been one of the better quotes in the clubhouse. I think a lot of the other people that cover the team on a regular basis would agree with that. Who who are some of the guys you play off of uh, in terms of the fun that you have in the clubhouse? I don't know who else as far as like the other teammates. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just trying to keep everybody in the clubhouse happy, smiling, having fun. This game is really, really hard when you're when you're not having fun. I mean, it's a game. We're, we're grown men playing a game. and. I just try to keep it fun, and I, I think um, I joke around a lot. I mess with Aguilar a lot. Um, we nitpick at each other nonstop. I think y'all caught some video of us pushing and shoving the other day in the dugout. Just, I just, it's a way to have fun, like, just to keep it going. And this is one of the funnest scenes I've been on, and try to keep it going. Absolutely. Well, Wade, we appreciate it. Great job again last night, and best of luck through the rest of the season. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Checking in on the farm. This week, as we check in on the farm, it's pretty simple. We're talking about 
the Biloxi Shuckers. The Shuckers have clinched and moved on in the Southern League playoffs. First, it was the Southern League Division Championship Playoff Series against the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, and the Shuckers took that three games to one. They've already started the Southern League Championship Series against the Jackson Generals. They finished up Game 1 on Tuesday night in Jackson, and they took that game by a final score of 7 to nothing. Braden Webb with six innings, just one hit allowed, and no runs. Braden Webb, certainly... Uh, a guy that has pitched very well down the stretch for the Shuckers. Uh, some of the other statistics and numbers from that 7 nothing shutout of Jackson. Corey Ray went one for four with a double. You had Troy Stokes Jr. with a couple of hits, a double in that mix as well. Trent Grisham went two for five with a double. Lucas Ersig went two for four with a double. And Weston Wilson went one for four in that contest, along with Dylan Thomas with a pinch hit home run in the contest. So the Biloxi Shuckers trying to capture that Southern League championship. Here is what it sounded like as they played Pensacola Southern League South Division Championship Series as narrated by Shuckers play-by-play man Garrett Green. The 0-2, and that one is hit well out to deep left field. A high drive going back. It's gone! Lucas Ersig. In his first game back from the disabled list, goes the opposite way in the eighth. And we are tied at three. Here's the set and the 2-1. And McDowell sends this one out into left field. That's going to be deep enough. And the Shuckers are going to walk it off in game number one. Max McDowell delivers the winning knock. And the Shuckers take a 1-0 lead. Final score tonight in 12 innings. The Biloxi Shuckers four, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos three. He set the 1-0, and here it hits this one towards the gap in left field, a long run over, Friedel's not gonna get it. Corey Ray in to score. They'll hold Troy Stokes Jr., but Keston Hira delivers an RBI double in the top of the eighth inning with two outs to give the Shuckers the lead. It's Biloxi three, Pensacola two. They have done it in the eighth on the road. One, two. And Featherston strikes out on a changeup. Duplon has nine. A new playoff career high for Marcos Duplon. The two-two. Breaking ball hit down the right field line. Aquino tracking, it's down in front of him. In the score is McDowell and Aquino bobbles it. Stokes comes in, here comes Grisham. And Keston Hira, with the aid of a mistake in right field, clears the bases and gives the Shuckers a 7-1 lead in the bottom of the second. Looking to take an early lead, the 2-2. And Hira slams this one out to left field, a high drive going back. That ball is gone. Keston Hira, a three-run home run to give the Shuckers a 3-0 edge in the first. Our thanks to Garrett Green for all the hard work that he's done all season long and all of our minor league broadcasters across the Brewers affiliates. Biloxi and Jackson are back at it in Jackson on Wednesday night, 6.05 Central Time start for that one. Okay, let's see what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Brewers will return home for another homestand. Not their last homestand of the year. Remember, they finished with three games against the Tigers to finish up the regular season. So the second-to-last homestand of the season for the crew. It begins on Friday night 
7-10, Pirates coming to town. The final home series against the Pittsburgh Pirates of the year. Crew will go back out to Pittsburgh on their next road trip as well. That is a student night on Friday night, 7-10 start. Also, the Miller Lite beer pin. So fans who sit in the Miller Lite beer pin will receive a free Brewers t-shirt. Saturday, September 15th, that's a 6-10 start. And there is that vintage snapback hat for the first 10,000 fans presented by the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Also, that's Coaches versus Cancer Night. And so that's a special ticket package. Fans who purchase that Coaches versus Cancer ticket package, they will receive an Ed Cedar mini bobblehead, as well as have a donation made to the American Cancer Society on their behalf. So that's exciting. Then on Sunday at 1:10, that is the final game of that Pirate series. There's also going to be a crew neck sweatshirt giveaway that is presented by Hupy and Abraham. First 20,000 fans. We'll get that along with a kids' ice cream sundae. Then the homestand finishes up to start the week with the Reds. Uh, three games against the Reds Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then the crew will head out on the road, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and then come home for Detroit. And that wraps up the regular season. So we're getting there. Brewers staking their claim for the postseason all along the way. That's going to do it for us. Episode number 133 is in the books. We'll join you next week with episode number 134. That'll be coming to you from Miller Park. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lane Hagel. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.